Neves Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. Good evening and a very warm welcome to The Parent Show here on 92.6 FM Radio Verulam. This week, we continue to look at the impact of the COVID-19 crisis on our youngsters and family life. Later in the show, we'll be talking to YC Hertfordshire about their services for young people. But first, Cathy Weston spoke to Susan Smith, a careers advisor, about exam results and university choices and further options for students. And welcome to The Parent Show to Susan Smith is a very well-known careers advisor locally. She's worked for over 20 years working in both higher education and secondary school sectors. She currently works for a local secondary school providing career service provision to students choosing their GCSEs, A-levels, degree courses, as well as helping students apply to universities and degree apprenticeship programs. Susan has also written and taught careers as a subject to the sixth form and helped students find valuable and career-defining work experience. And she's also a qualified administrator of the Morrisby Psychometric Tests and freelances for that organisation. So a very warm welcome, Susan. Good morning, Cathy. <laughs> and do you know what, Susan? There is so much to talk about with, with someone with your expertise and experience, but I want to start with how young people must be feeling having these GCSEs, these A-levels, as you say, the rug, you know, taken so abruptly from under their feet. Can you just say a little bit about that? Well, we, we sort of sail along as if life is planned and suddenly the plans change and you're left really feeling high and dry. It all feels quite uncertain, but nothing huge, you know, there's, there's, unknown answer in terms of what the options are and what universities are doing and what colleges are doing but within yourself you know how well you are tracking and we can discuss calculated grades but it's not so bad you're going to be okay hold your nerve um this is a, a challenging time but you are still in control of your choices and you are still in control of your story and how you tell that story to a college university or a potential employer so for students i want to start with sort of the 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 age chronology so for students who were expected to do their gcses this year and who aren't i want to talk about what you know from someone from my perspective uh, if i was in the situation of of a parent whose child had had their exams cancelled can we just start with what the questions might be? So, for example, how will they calculate my child's grade? Is that fair? And is there anything that we can sort of do about that? It's a it's a great question for all pupils, whether GCSE or A-level. So the calculated grades have been sort of thought through and the, the university's minister, Michelle Donnellan, is involved in in some respects the you know the government have looked quite carefully at how they should progress and the main thing is they do not want students to be disadvantaged so the calculated grades aren't sort of just suddenly grades they've plucked out the air they've worked with the teaching profession 
and teachers are going to be looking at evidence-based work in order to calculate the grades. Now, what that means is in classwork, homework, any class tests, it's not, you know, the teachers are going to be asked to grade according to how the child has grown and if they're learning. So initially it's not like, oh, no, I didn't really make an effort. I never did my homework. It's about the progression. So you might have handed in a piece of work, but you've taken the advice and you've moved forward and the next piece of work you handed in was better. So if your grades were going up slightly and you were trying hard, then the calculated grade you would have been expected to get would have been if you were performing in that continued trajectory of of improvement. As we know, lots of students don't bring their A-game until the, the, um, the day itself. So for those students, what I would say is, yes, you may have potentially performed better had you sat the exam, but overall, you'll still be within where you would have achieved uh, your mark, give or take. I don't think it's going to be hugely drastic for GCSE students. You will already have a sense of your setting in the school and you'll already have a sense of how you were going with the homework and the grades you were getting. So there shouldn't be too many surprises there. And the grades have been calculated fairly. They then go through a sort of bell curve with the Office of Statistics or, you know, you know, it's going through all the exam boards. But essentially, the grade you get will be the grade you get. And you might feel it's completely unfair and it's not reflective. And you might say deep down, actually, I'm quite lucky I got that grade because if I think about it, I should have probably made more effort than I had. So in terms of what you can do to appeal that grade, the answer is really not much. There will be an opportunity to appeal, but it will be looking at just the data. Was it perhaps incorrectly edited between the exam centre and the school? It will be looking at corrections around that area, not rehauling the teacher's assessment. Um, the teacher's judgments are, are going to be left. So, you know, you are going to get your calculated grade and it's what you do with it from then. Okay, so, you know, it's happened, you know, it's about moving forward and there is plenty of opportunities and support available and you can plan ahead at this stage and that's what we're going to draw on further in the interview. So, Susan, what I would have thought, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is if my child gets a grade that he or she aren't aren't happy with, sure, um, we should be encouraging them to resit the exam. And one of the reasons why I think it's good to resit an exam is you actually get the experience of kind of earn of you know of doing the exam. And so students be sort of thinking of that reset as a sort of a first time to do the exam if that makes sense well I think at that age stage you know around about 16 um, and your GCSE if you have chosen to remain in school then you're going to be moving in to the sixth form and in actual fact you may already be invited back to sixth form to take part in some pre-learning into into year 12 if you aren't happy and you want to reset the exam, the autumn series, as it's called, the autumn exam series, the consultation finished a couple of days ago. So what that's actually going to look like remains to be seen. However, it's very much dependent on the exam board if they're going to actually host them. A lot of the financial, how many students are going to want to reset, for example. But in answer to your question, would I recommend the students reset their GCSEs to be honest, I think not. If you asked me, if you pushed me one way or the other, I would say, look, 
you need to be moving forward September, October, November. There are some courses starting college in January. So yes, you could attempt a reset if you like, but you'd have to be really motivated and doing a lot of self-study. You wouldn't have been in the classroom since March. And um, it's going to be quite quite a big um, attempt. But, you know, with parents backing, maybe you'll go for it. But overall, you want to be preparing about what you might do if you want to go and do like an equivalent of two A-levels at college. You know, you'd be doing a BTEC level three, and that is coursework based. So I think it's about realistically going, am I really going to improve my grade? Is it worth it? It's also important to note, Cathy, that um, at this stage in the consultation, the exams will be based purely on the students' performance. Coursework won't be taken into account because students were at varying places in their coursework. So again, looking at your choices, if you're not a good exam person and can't amass a large amount of information just to regurgitate, then the chances are you're better moving into your A-level equivalents um, or A-levels looking forward and looking at the coursework. That's helpful. Thank you. And uh, obviously, there's so much to talk about with regards to students who were planning on getting their A-level grades and heading to university, for starters. And I think there's been a lot of debate on Facebook where, where students' parents are asking, you know, is it, is it, should I be proceeding with that university application? Should I take a year out? Can we just start that discussion about the situation that students are in? Absolutely. I mean, it, it feels like the end of the world, but believe me, be positive, it is not. Again, with the calculated grades, your child, if they're honest, will have an inkling about what that grade will be. So yes, there is um, the target grades that are predicted. They will have fat mocks and they will be looking at coursework. So at this stage, it's about realism. Your child will get their calculated grades on the 13th of August, their A-levels. Uh, I should say 20th of August for GCSEs. And at that point, it's not like you have to make a decision, oh, suddenly the reality is going to crumble. And on that morning of the 13th of August, what next? We can plan and prepare now. And so if you are waiting for your level results, then there are some options that you need to be considering. If you've applied to university, then what does that look like? So there's the whole thing about choices around your university course, choices around do I want to go to university now? Would I rather be looking for employment? I was going to take a gap year, but actually I can't travel. So it might be helpful for me to take one of those scenarios at a time, Cathy, and just work through it. Absolutely. So essentially for university, um, at this stage, you will have an, an account and you'll be on what's called TRAC, which is a system in UCAS, the University's Clearing and Admission Service. And you have been made, will have been made some offers, and you're you're about to basically accept those. So you will have applied to university, and you're about to accept your offers. You've got till the 18th of June. Now at this point, it is dependent on what's in your hand. If you have an unconditional offer, then you're going to get a place regardless. It's not unconditional the calculated grades. So you might want to say, right, great, that's fantastic. I will grab that. Thank you very much, and I'll just see what my university is doing in September. If you are holding an unconditional offer and you think, you know, I don't know if I want to go to that university anymore, or even university at all, then you can self-release, so you can choose to, to um, release that offer back into the system. Um, but what you want to be doing is really speaking to the university and saying, can I defer 
can I defer that entry for another year? But be warned, saying, oh, look, all this COVID, sorry, I'd like to come back in another year, that might not be seen as a good enough reason. Universities are set to lose copious amounts of money over all this. So they're really not wanting to, you know, encourage you to sort of stay away. And they are putting on lectures. They are putting on online learning. They are doing small groups for tutorials. But we'll talk about that later. But basically, universities are set to go. So if you want to defer, it will have to be a really good reason other than COVID. Maybe health reasons, maybe anxiety. Maybe you've changed your mind about moving away from home. But you'll, they'll ask you why and they'll ask you what you plan to do with your time in order for them to say, yes, we'll, we'll hold that offer for another year. Now, more likely, you're sitting with a conditional offer. Now, that means that basically you're being asked to accept a firm place and an insurance place. My advice is bank that offer. Take it, accept it, and be prepared to go into clearing on the day you get your results. Now, clearing is basically where all the courses are. So if you don't get the grades you want, you'll be automatically entered into clearing, and you can basically shop around. You can look at the vacancies, phone the university, and find a course. Now, that doesn't just happen on the morning of your result. You've got between now and the 13th of August to do your research. You can look at alternative or similar courses and be ready on the morning of your exam with the list of courses in rank order. And my best advice, all you lovely students out there waiting for your levels, the morning of results day, get up, get in, get out, and get on. Too many students saunter up at 11 o'clock after a nice breakfast. On the morning of your results, you need to be getting them early and you need to be on the phone to university. Many students pick up some fantastic courses through clearing, but they're organised and they're on it. Susan, on the morning of those A-levels, I want to be on the phone to you. (laughs) You're a woman woman who knows what these kids need to be doing. This is brilliant. It's the early bird that catches the worm. That's our motto. Or perhaps that place at Durham. <laughs> so the morning of the results. Let's just recap on that. On those uh, in on the thirteenth of August, you said get early, queue for the results, get in, get out, get on the phone to universities, and presumably, Susan, they will have needed to have done their research. You know, in using sort of guides like the complete university guide or what you need, you know, have done some research. Absolutely. And um, many students have access to Unifrog. So you can you can go back in and look at your courses and shortlist the courses you want. Do you have an account? So I know that um, certainly St. George's and Rome would do it. And Susan, presumably there are further options, you know, for, 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 for young people who don't want to go to university. Can you talk us through some of those? Absolutely. So at this stage, if you're not holding any offers and you have applied through UCAS, you can just enter clearing anyway and and see what courses there are. So, you know, that's in the backdrop. But if you're like, no, I really don't want to go to university, then at this stage, I would be saying to you, well, are you considering your degree in another way through an apprenticeship, for example? So amazing apprenticeships and the Find Apprenticeship Service um, run by the government there are currently um, degree apprenticeships being advertised. Um, closing dates are 18th of June, and they, be, they are due to begin in September. Now, will this happen with um, the current situation? I think, yes, um, people are still recruiting because a lot of it is online, telephone interviews, and in fact, the degree you study is online. 
So they may not be able to get you into the workplace, but they can certainly recruit and you may begin the degree um, component of that apprenticeship without actually entering the workplace. So there are things at the moment with Ernst Young, Unilever, there's accounting, there's quantity surveying, there are things there. If you were thinking we're going to take a gap year, obviously that's difficult. Travelling is is un, unlikely and unrealistic at this stage. But you can still be continuing a course of study. Um, there are great websites like Future Learn and uh, Centre of Excellence at the moment. All their courses are £29. But also you might want to be using this time. What can you be doing now? There's um, virtual work experience available from next week. So uh, a website called Bright Network. You can go on there and log on and do some virtual work experience. And there is also UK University Search. You also have elements of degree apprenticeships within their client group. They're um, holding a virtual universities fair on the 17th of June. And you can register for that free at UK University Search. Fantastic. So those are amazing. You know, there's so much work and research for young people to do with their with their parents at this time, isn't there? There is. And, you know, you, you, you are entitled to you use your local offer. So youth connections will see students in their offices. You know, it's quite a niche knowledge, higher education and, and what to be doing without, you know, sort of highlighting myself. But I'm offering free 15 minute consultations, which can be booked on my website allthingscareers.co.uk. Um, there are, you know, there are people around to support you with these decisions. And obviously your tutors uh, are, are trained as well in school with, with UCAS. So you don't need to be sitting in silence. You can approach people if you have got questions. So I just want to reiterate, Susan, so, some of those uh, websites that you've mentioned. Your one, which I think every parent should have in their diary, is allthingscareers.co.uk and you're also on Twitter at Things Careers and on Facebook, All Things Careers. Equally, the other websites, you've mentioned the UK University Search Virtual Fair on the 17th of June. You've mentioned um, uh, Bright Network for virtual work experience. What does that actually look like, Susan, the virtual work experience? Well, virtual work experience is is still a really useful and, and critical component to your career development and your career's knowledge. You're talking to people who work in branding or marketing or advertising. They're telling you about a typical day. They'll be talking through skills and careers. They'll be giving you a little project that you have to manage. And you, you'll be doing some written work as well, getting involved in something that they set. The main thing is at this stage is to remember you are going to be potentially the lockdown generation. You know, there's going to be lots of terms coined. But the reality is, and this is the best advice I can give, be proactive. You need to own your story. So if you're sitting now and you're unsure what's going to be happening, then you're going to have to talk to a potential university or an employer or a volunteer organisation because they're going to ask you, what did you do in lockdown? So have a plan for how you want to upskill. You know, it might be that you're thinking about you know, doing some informational interviews, you can call in your networks and, and speak to people about their job. Everyone's sitting at home, bored on the work Zoom calls. You can be undertaking a work experience project for, for somebody that you know. But the point is that you're setting yourself some goals and you're achieving them. So it's about being able to turn around and say, well, this is what I did with the situation, you know, being unclear about university. This is the research I did, or this was the online learning course I signed up to or this was the employer I spoke to or these were the virtual 
opportunities I've tried to get involved with. The point is own your story and own your actions. And as you say, Susan, this is echoes so much of what I believe as well, that, you know, in, in five years time in a job interview, they'll be asked how they spent lockdown, how they coped with lockdown. You know, this is an opportunity that is unprecedented to demonstrate great resilience and innovation. And young people all over the country are they're showing so much innovative. Absolutely. Um, uh, they are, you know, this is the time to reach out, as you say. The world is receptive. You know, we've had President um, Obama, celebrities all over the world um, doing the online graduation for class 2020. You know, there has never been a greater time to reach out and to, to and the world is very responsive isn't it well that's right I mean I was just talking to a parent the other day whose whose child's thinking about psychology well what a great time to ask primary kids how they're feeling and, and maybe record or note some of these things because that's all about helping any application further down the line to psychology that you've shown a passion Absolutely. And also researchers, top researchers all over the country, they want assistance analyzing data. They want young people to pick up the phone or email them and say, I really admire your work and I want to work with you. Can I be part of that study? Absolutely. And I think also being realistic, if you're feeling a bit down, you know, mind and hearts, there's lots of support with sort of mental health things, but actually by getting involved you might be able to end up becoming a volunteer because you've gone through the similar things yourself. The point is that it's about, at this time of isolation, actually reaching out and, as you say, building networks and, and trying your best to talk to people. And Yes, and I think that that's a very important point, you know, being a great citizen, being a great member of the community. You know, these are things that matter greatly. And the goal setting, I just wanted to make that point that, of course, we know from the research that goal setting in, in young people can alleviate symptoms of, of low mood and depression. So these are very, very important points, not just for their academic career, but for their mental health, as you point out. Okay, well, Susan, thank you so much for joining us. And I am expecting you to have to be flooded with phone calls. <laughs> well, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> you know what? Do you know what I love about you? Not just your vast knowledge, but you are proactive, you're positive, and you, and you can tell that you really believe in young people and are passionate about, you know, helping them. Well, I'll tell you what, everybody is the author of their own story, and I keep saying it. It's not about climbing Everest last weekend. It's about just making short goals and moving towards them and being able to tell others about it. It's not hard. It's, it's totally doable. And at this time, Please know you are in control of your choices. You can do research. Well, Susan Smith, thank you so much for joining us. Again, I'm going to reiterate how people can get in touch with you. And that is www.allthingscareers.co.uk. And thank you to you. And thank you and good luck to all those students and their families who, who are putting in the groundwork now for some great decisions and choices beyond August. Thank you so much for joining us on the panel. Oh, it was an absolute pleasure, Kathy. Thanks for caring. Take care. <laughs> all the best. Bye. Bye. Kathy Weston talking to Susan Smith there and a reminder of her website, allthingscareers.co.uk. We'll take a short break now, but we'll be back with Steve Simpson talking to Bex Perry of YC Hertfordshire. Don't go away. Welcome back to The Parent Show on 92.6 FM Radio Merrillum. 
Now, one of the many organisations in our community which have a primary focus to help young people is YC Hertfordshire. This is the Hertfordshire County Council Youth Services organisation who operate a number of services and programmes aimed at young people across the entire county, but who have a strong presence in St Albans and in neighbouring Harpenden. This team has recently been strengthened with the introduction of a new team leader, Bex Perry. Steve Simpson recently met up with Bex and took the opportunity to find out more about what YC Hertfordshire are all about and how they have been adapting their services to address the community of St Albans while in Covid lockdown. Let's hear what she had to say. So I'm pleased to welcome Bex to Radio Verulam. This is Bex Perry from YC Hertfordshire and pleased to welcome in more ways than one because YC Hertfordshire are one of our newest advertisers here on Radio Verulam, which we're very grateful for, but more grateful for the fact that Bex has been able to join us today on the line. Bex, welcome to Radio Verulam. Thank you very much, Steve. It's great to have you here on the show. So first of all, tell us a little bit about YC Hertfordshire. I think we probably have all seen the name in the newspapers and things, but what exactly is the, is the, is the function of the group? I'd hope you'd see our name around. YC Hertfordshire, we're a service for young people, so we're part of Hertfordshire County Council. And we provide support to young people across the county that comes in the form of youth work projects, one-to-one advice and guidance in schools, work-related learning, outdoor education, including Duke of Edinburgh. We do quite a wide range of work with young people across the county. When you say support, it's, it's helping them help themselves rather than giving them things to do. Absolutely. Our strapline is enabling young people to succeed. So we certainly work with young people and we work alongside them. Is there a target age group when you say young people? Is it uh... 13 to 17 is our main age range. However, we do work with young people that are aged 11 or in year seven on some projects. And we work with young people up to young adults, up to 25 if they have a learning difficulty or disability. Depending on the piece of work, we, we will obviously work with different age ranges. And when you say you support the children in the community, is it all children or are there some uh, children that specifically need help that you focus on? We work with all young people. We certainly don't discriminate against any young people for any reason that they're our main audience and they're who we want to work with. But we do run targeted pieces of work. For example, we run LGBT projects for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender young people. We run youth projects working specifically with young people in care or care leavers and we provide advice and guidance specifically to young people in care or care leavers. We're also currently working with young travellers as well. So we do some very specific and targeted pieces of work, but we, we are open and working with all young people across the county. And there was a question that I did want to ask in particular. I, I, I do my research, I promise you, but I couldn't find out what YC stands for in YC Hertfordshire. Would you like to clear that one up for us? Ah. <laughs> It's a mystery. So YC Hertfordshire had a rebrand and renaming a few years ago. So it originally stood for Youth Connections, but we've moved away from that now because we deliver a wide range of work and it's it's not just to young people, but we're also working with children. We've got a project, for example, Rocket to the Future, which is a, a programme that runs in primary schools. And in some cases, we're working with adults as well. So the, the work that we deliver ultimately is broadened and widened. Doesn't ultimately stand for anything. <laughs> it Just YC. It sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Connections, but yeah, now it's YC. And you're, you're, you say you're right across the county, Hertfordshire, but there are offices in St Albans, aren't there? Where exactly are you based? So we have an office and a, a young people centre. We have an access point which is based on Catherine Street. 
just very near to our studios actually yeah oh, oh we'll have to keep an eye out for you next time i'm down there when we <laughs> when we get to go back into work but yes yeah, so we've got Catherine street there that's open during the week we also have pioneer young people center on heathlands drive which is where most youth projects run out of and harpenden young people center as well on the high street we do run projects across across St Albans in various locations, but we also run detached projects as well, which is where the uh, youth workers go out out and around the town centre and around the St Albans area to provide support to young people that aren't ready to come in and engage within a project or aren't ready for um, one-to-one support maybe in a building setting, but mm. we'll go out and work with them uh, on a street-based level. Just going back to the access point, which you talked about there on Catherine Street, because I've driven past it quite a lot. And it's quite an innocuous little building on the corner. It just says YC on the board outside. Is that open for young people to just drop in or is it do they go there on by appointment, so to speak? Yes. Yeah, yeah, they they can certainly drop in um, and also based on appointments. We have various advisors, so we'll have a personal advisor and an employment training advisor quite often in there. They can book appointments with young people that may be on their pet caseload, for example. So we have employment training advisors who hold a caseload working with uh, young people that aren't in education, employment or training. So they may make an appointment with them to come in and see them, but we're also open for drop-in as well, and which is Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday, two till five. You had to I think there, didn't you? <laughs> I need to confirm that. I'm very new. Bear with me. <laughs> yeah, you, you said that you'd uh, recently just joined the St Albans team, haven't you? So, so first of all, welcome to St Albans. It's normally a little busier than this. What is your role exactly? What do you do? My role? So I am the information advice and guidance and work-related learning team leader. Really? Um, so is, that what you, is, that, is that what you say to the, to the young people? <laughs> no, I'll say I don't know. It's quite interesting. I've I worked in youth work. I've, I've worked with YC for quite some years now, and I've moved from youth work over to the IAG side. So it's quite hard not to refer to myself as a youth worker as, at default. But it's all the same. We're working with the same audience. We're working with the same young people, and certainly my passions are still there for working with young people. Um, I'm now just happen to be overseeing a team. Uh, or working delivering a lot of one-to-one but group work around kind of careers and advice and guidance but yeah I'd, I'd probably refer to myself as a team leader depends on what setting I'm in but it'll be quite a personable it's from YC Harpagen why, why not so um you, you mentioned the team there well, what's your team like how many youth workers do you have in your team they're a fab so my team consists of personal advisors employment training advisors employment support coordinator and we also have someone working with us who is um, a careers enterprise coordinator so youth workers sit more over in my colleagues team Robert and so they're the youth work team and within the IAG team mainly consists of personal advisors and and employment and training advisors there's about 17-18 people within the team altogether they're all very lovely I've been lucky enough to work with them previously to start in this role so i I do know them on some level, but I started this role whilst in lockdown. So getting to know them beyond the computer has been a, <laughs> a bit of a It can't have been easy to start a new job in, in lockdown. It, it's great to be able to keep relationships going, but to start new relationships um, when you're just on the telephone, is, it must be quite difficult. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge, but I think we're all going through the same thing. Mm. Everyone's slightly different experiences, but I, I guess to some extent we've all we've all got this experience now in common and it's always something that we will reflect on and back on and 
and talk about going forward so we're, we're, we're lucky with technology and so we're, we're able to still see each other which is yeah, nice perfect and do you have a time when you think you're going to be able to get back into the office is there a scheduled opening date yet for you not too sure at the moment i think um we're obviously we're a face-to-face service that work with young people and whilst i think the schools are still trying to settle and work out their plans of action we'll we'll see what happens i think we need to be really sensible about our, our approach and i'd like with everyone else really as for when our access points uh, drop-ins and and youth projects and centers will open i'm, I'm not too sure at this moment but I, I did read, I think, in one of the press releases from Hertfordshire County Council, that detached work is starting. I think you mentioned that a little bit earlier on. What is detached work and uh, and how is that going? Detached work. So it's, it's ultimately detached from any building or premises. So what's happening is that there will be a, a pair of youth workers that will have an allocated area to go and work in. So for St Albans, for example, they may have be allocated the high street. Um, as it's, it's more in my, my colleague's team, Robert, who's, who's overseeing it. But and what they will do is they'll, they'll attempt to work with young people. So whenever they may see a young person or a group of young people, they will approach them, obviously, with two metres distance and two metres distance from themselves and just generate conversation with those young people, particularly if they're not socially distancing from each other, uh, to generate the conversations around that, but also just kind of tackle antisocial behaviour and, and generally try and support young people whilst they're out in the community because, let's be honest, it's, it's quite a challenging time for everyone and, and whilst being a young person it will also be particularly challenging not being able to see your friends so then there may be chances and opportunities when young people do choose to get together and that's where we'll support and, and not necessarily intervene we haven't got any powers to intervene and and, and and do anything as the police would do of course but generating those conversations that's what that's what youth work's all about and working with young people all about. are they are they generally receptive to that sort of approach you know to, to having a, a youth worker come up to them in the street and, and, and try to start that conversation? Is it, is it a successful approach or is there a lot of resistance from the... the Certainly from, from everything that I've worked with on in the past in terms of detached, it's all about our approach as professionals, first of all, and the way in which we approach young people. But from, from what I've heard so far, the, it's, it's been working well, young people have been receptive. The nice thing is that the youth workers, the Central Woods youth workers, have got good relationships with young people in the community already. So that there are some occasions where they're bumping into young people they already know and they've already got those relationships with. So it's it certainly helps that they're they're known in the community and then they're, they're known by the young people in the area anyway. But it, it is all about approach, and I think a, a professional youth work approach should always be about considering how you're how you're talking to a young person, the setting and the environment that they're in, and this is a very new environment, so um, I certainly would have liked to experience it myself as a youth worker to, to see what it would be like going out providing that support. But as I said, my colleague Robert and his great team are overseeing that at the moment. Next, we're just going to take a, a break now, and when we come back, we'll talk about some of the other programmes and the initiatives that YC Hertfordshire are running at the moment and perhaps how people can find out about those services. And I'd also like to talk about the effect that COVID lockdown has had on what you do and how you do it. And I think you just alluded to, to it there with the detached work. So we'll just take a little break. So I'm joined on the line by Bex Perry from YC Hertfordshire, who is a team leader uh, with the responsibility for looking after the young people 
of St. Albans. Welcome back, Bex. So we said at the end of the interview at the first part there that we'd come back and talk about some of the major programs and initiatives that you're running at the moment. We've talked about the detached work, which is now back on the table, I think, after being... Uh, well, furloughed, I guess we would say, over the, the lockdown. I think that's just resumed recently. But what other programmes are you working on? So within my team, we're running a programme called Pathways to Success at the moment, which is a European Social Fund funded project. And the, the aim of Pathways is to work with young people who are not engaged in education, employment or training, or young people who potentially may become NEAT, which is not in education, employment or training. The programme's running over two weeks and it's running virtually. The team have put together an amazing pro- virtual programme, actually, and I think the, the engagement numbers are, are really quite impressive with what they've done. So the, the two-week programme itself is running over Microsoft Teams and we're inviting young people to work with us in small group work settings for a couple of hours each day. And within those sessions, the people will gain and build confidence and confidence in job searching and applying for jobs and it'll build their knowledge and awareness around kind of job searching and local market information they'll look into and will ultimately improve their opportunities employability chances and employability what, what skills fantastic opportunity that is for young people it really to... is and they do within that they'll do the team will run uh, mock interviews for example and then provide uh, support for those young people for six months onwards after the program ends and it's and it's been going really well so far actually do, I think do you have a success you, rate that you can share with us any idea how many people come out of the program and are able to find employment we so in terms of outcomes it's a very, very very new program so we're still measuring that side of things in terms of engagement in the program for example we're, we're working with 10 young people at the moment over the week um, and they'll come together in a group of 10 and i think for the next coming weeks we've got similar numbers building on from there and that's that those numbers and those young people have been identified working in partnership with schools and identifying young people that may be at risk of becoming neat but also um, again referring back to those caseloads and, and working with those young people already not in employment education or training but it's, it's a really successful program it's, it's really impressive to see how something can go from the real world into a virtual world and work and I think we certainly wasn't too sure when this all started whether it will work but the, the team put together a really great program and are using all of the skills that they would do in real life through a computer so it's, a, it's an interesting way of working certainly but it, it's working well. And that's something which you said the schools are in conjunction with you to identify people who are the right people for the programme. It's not something yeah. that anyone can just apply for if they're struggling to find work or to know whether or not to go back into additional training. Or It's, it's mainly aimed at those that aren't likely to move into education, employment or training or those are, who are not in it. However, if there's anyone that's, especially now in, in the changes that have happened with exams um, and, and obviously the exam results are coming out in August and how, how the, the young people are being assessed, those in year 11 that would be taking their GCSEs. Obviously there's quite a lot of uncertainty for young people and it's quite hard to predict how things will look. Obviously young people have a good idea based on their mock results but young people's natural approach to mocks has always traditionally and typically been quite different to what it would be to the real thing. And so there are a lot of young people that are struggling around that and, and we're here to support them we've got a great team of personal advisors very very experienced careers advisors and if anyone wants to um, to get support in the St Albans area then all they need to do is contact us and we can look at what support's available to them that's and whether that's to provide, provide them some careers guidance or to to simply signpost them to local schools colleges um, for mm-hmm. further advice. 
Now, about 100 years ago, when I was a lad, everyone did Duke of Edinburgh. Is that still something which you're involved with? It still is, very much so. If anyone wants to get involved in Duke of Edinburgh, they can do that via some of our youth projects across the county. There's quite a few schools that deliver Duke of Edinburgh as well. But the programme still, it still pulls in as much interest as, as it did quite a few years ago. Well, for, it's, it's maintained and it's quite interesting because there's been a lot of change with young people, particularly like the distractions of social media and phones and gaming. It's quite, it's quite interesting to see how Duke of Edinburgh and outdoor education is still something that young people are interested in. It could, it could have took a, a, a quite a drastic change, particularly with technology. But yeah, there's a lot of young people still getting engaged in that project. And I suppose there must be a number of programmes which you normally run, which this year, because of the lockdown, you're just simply not able to engage in. You mentioned the NCS, I think. was. uh... Yes, so NCS is a programme that runs every summer, and we quite often deliver the NCS programme. What what does it stand for, Bex? National Citizenship Service. It's a bit of a a tongue twister sometimes. It's a great programme that's aimed at working with Year 11, so those that are transitioning from Year 11 onto their next kind of choices and options and it's about building their confidence their skills and their their knowledge their everything ultimately build build on where they're at or where they're at when they leave school and, and help prepare them for the next stage of life and it's um it's a really quite full-on program it's a four-week program sometimes that sometimes we deliver three-week programs and it's all very face-to-face there's no moving away from that experience However, there are talks about a digital programme being developed, so there will be hopefully an offer to young people who would have been eligible for that during the summer. But it's a, yeah, it's a real shame that something like that can't run state, although I've had many years of staying on a, a rock hard floor in a tent and being kept awake <laughs> till one o'clock in the morning or later with young people. That's, all, that's very much part of working with young people and youth work and the NCS oh, experiences. You get a year off that this year. As well as it is. Yeah, get a break from it this year. However, all of our other projects and programmes, them, but we do have a range of projects that are available online now. So they've, they've moved online ultimately. And the same youth workers that are delivering them would be delivering them in, keep using the term real life. But that's we'll, t- we'll talk about how people can find out about those programmes in just a second. But, but just on the COVID lockdown, do, do you think that the young people of today have been disproportionately affected by lockdown and the full implications of it? Well, yeah, there's been a lot that's happened. I think that there's a lot of focus initially on year 11s and their experience of exams and confusion and upset with regard to their futures. But there's so much more attached to that. Losing the experience of your last day at school and losing the experience of having your prom and, and saying goodbye to your friends and some of your friends that you won't necessarily be in the scene on the next steps. That's such a huge part of growing up and being a young person and it, I reflect on myself and think of my last day at secondary school was probably one of the only things I remember about secondary school so to be robbed of that ultimately must be really it must have been really upsetting and it certainly was upsetting for a lot of young people but also trying to experience them and being in a, in a kind of locked a lockdown as such but um being a young person and staying indoors Monday to for a well, Monday to Monday every single day of the week and not being able to see your friends whilst developing and whilst going through all of the different changes that a young person experiences emotionally and hormonally and being told you can't do the things that you want to do. It's a barrier enough as it is outside of lockdown. So within it, I think they've gone through a really challenging time. And I think that young people are getting given a hard time 
around socially isolating and or more so not doing it but I, I do think that they've been not necessarily disproportionately affected but I think that they have been affected more than so maybe some people realize. Is there something that parents or carers could be watching out for do you think for signs of concerns amongst young people? I, I wouldn't want to advise ultimately in saying what to look out for and what not to look out for because a parent or carer would know their young person way beyond even what we do we've got great and a, built strong relationships with young people but more than me identifying what to look out for it's important for people to know there is support and if you have if you've got some concerns about a young person and you want some advice of where where you can get further support from then do come to us or via Hertfordshire County Council Hertfordshire County Council provide support for families our role very much is supporting young people but if a, if a parent wants further support for their young person all they do, need to do is get in touch and we can discuss with them what support might be available to them via our services or if not we can signpost to others. Being a part of the Hertfordshire County Council I presume you have all the budget that you need to be able to hire all the people that you need and get all the equipment that you, you need to do everything that you want to do but meanwhile back in the real world do you do you look <laughs> do you look for volunteers to help out on some of this is this something that the, the public or the people of St Albans can be involved with or is it strictly for the the professionals who work in your no, organization absolutely we like we enjoy working with volunteers and we do have a volunteer recruitment process that we go through where those people that would like to volunteer would take them through a similar recruitment process as to if you were a contracted or paid employee but if, you, if you're interested in that I'm not too sure what the status is currently of volunteer recruitment particularly through Covid and what's going on but um, certainly do get in touch because there are opportunities around and you can get involved in um, in a range of projects whether that's over the summer and through pro- programs like NCS for example or some of our evening youth work sessions we would happily work with volunteers and we welcome applications from volunteers. So we mentioned a few times throughout uh, our talk Bex that people can contact you for more information or to perhaps get some information about volunteering information about the programs that you're running uh, and so on this is the big question how do people what's the best way for people to get in touch with you during the lockdown and as we come out of lockdown and things start to open up again how can people liaise with you to get your services so we've got a number of ways so first of all we've got our text number and you can send us a message on 07860 065195. You can email us at yc.stalbans at uk. You can call our main line, which is 01442 Or for any more information, you can visit our website, which is www.ycheartfordshire.org. And all of those services are still running at the moment. It's just the buildings themselves that are not open for visitors right now. No, absolutely. So in in terms of when when we start going back to the the normal or the new normal, then um, certainly come and see us on Catherine Street during the day. You can get information on the website uh, with regard to the youth projects and programmes that will be up and running. I can't give specific times of what's going on with anything with regard to that at the moment, but um, certainly do when things start going back to our previous way of working then we'll have our doors wide open for young people parents and carers to come in and speak to us should they need to 
Bex, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today, telling us loads and loads about YC Hertfordshire, including what YC stands for, which was the burning question that I came in with. Uh, thanks for your it's time today. It's still a today. mystery, technically. <laughs> Some mysteries are left unsolved. Uh, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. And I, I feel for you starting a new job and then having to do it all by uh, telephone. Perhaps in a few months' time, when we're all back to the new normal, as you say, you could drop in again and let us know how things are going. I'd love to do that. Thank you very much, Steve. That's it for tonight. Thank you very much for joining us. And a big thank you to our guests, Susan Smith and Bex Perry. Tune in every Thursday at 8pm to listen to The Parent Show on 92.6 FM Radio Verulam. Good night. Neve solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neve Solicitors, your complete legal solution.